If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. One, two, three. Hunt and Hill. Jeremy Hill, holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge studio, it's Hunt and Hill. Now on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. One hour left in our working week here. Hunt and Hill, hope your Friday is going well. We don't have too many more Fridays until we got a football Friday. Just a couple more for LSU and Florida State on a Sunday just found out I got lunch plans that Sunday. <laughs> Boys are going to go out and uh, have some lunch for the game in the CBD before we do the pregame show uh, over there in New Orleans and then head on into the Superdome for LSU and Florida State. Very, very, very much looking forward to all of that. A lot of NFL talk here in the uh, second hour. We're also going to have a little fun in the next segment. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but we'll start the second hour with the lead toss. Uh, the lead toss. The lead toss to Jeremy Hill. Well, football season's here, and for a lot of fan bases, it's sunshine and rainbow seasons. A lot of fans Gotta feel be. like their team is right there in the thick of it, and they're going to make a deep playoff run and go win them a Super Bowl. But today, I'm going to have to, you know, end those trains for a lot of these fan bases. And uh, we're, today, we're going to go through the pretenders and the contenders in the NFL, and then. Uh, Right now, I'm going to let you know uh, which teams exactly I feel like are, you know, poised to make a deep playoff run and which teams I think are just quite frankly not in it. And so uh, we'll start with the NFC and uh, we'll go with the teams that uh, I don't think are, are going to be making a playoff run. And, and let's stick in the NFC South. And that's the Panthers and the Falcons. I think both of these no. teams are extremely similar in the fact that neither one of them really have any proven quarterback uh, to make a playoff run. And I think for the Panthers, they're they're probably in a worse situation now that they have two quarterbacks who I think are just the Baker boy. Yeah. The quarterbacks that are just in that, you know, fifteen to twenty five range, and that's a bad range to be in. And so yeah, I, I think the Falcons and the Panthers, good news for Saints fans, uh, I don't think they're gonna be in it. Uh, no, they will not be. Uh, <laughs> this team stink. Um, I can't believe you're disrespecting Marcus Mariota like that. Uh, the Baker boy, Sam Darnold. Uh, just a who's who. Uh, no, just bad, 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 bad. The rosters are bad. The quarterback situation's bad. Coaching's probably bad. Um, it's not. It's not good for either one of those two teams. It's great if you're a New Orleans Saints fan because two of the teams in your division are a disaster. Well, uh, let's go to the NFC North now, and not great for Chicago fans, and that's the Bears aren't going to be in it either. And I'm going to throw the uh, woeful Lions in there too, even though they, you know, they got the great praise of being on Hard Knocks. Probably hang a banner for that if you're Detroit. But uh, yeah, the Lions and the Bears, I don't think they're going to be very good at all. Those are two things I threw in the pretender can. Pretty uh, quick. Uh, Hard Knocks is going to be pretty entertaining this year. I watched the first episode. Like Dan Campbell is such a meathead. Uh, it is good content. <laughs> I uh, spent a lot of time around Aiden Hutchinson. They haven't really talked to uh, Jared Goff at all. 
Um, Kelvin Shepard gets a lot of run. Hey. Michael Brockers has gotten a little bit as well. Um, it's. I think Vegas will probably cash some. Uh, probably have some over tickets placed on the Browns because you feel a connection to them as you're watching Hard Knocks. But you really have to pull yourself out of it and realize this is a disaster and these guys are not going to be good at all. And that's, that's it's hard to see because there's so much optimism and positivity when you watch it. It's early in camp. They're fired up. They got the number one draft pick who's out there doing And then you realize they're still the Lions. They've won one playoff game in their history and they're going to be terrible. And by the time November rolls around, they'll be so far out of it, they'll be thinking about the draft again. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling me guys crying during you know motivational speeches isn't going to result yeah, in like well, two you were wins. three and 14 and I think you'd be pretty, pretty close to that again this year. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there too. And yeah, Let's go to my boy Taylor Sharp's uh, conference here, you know, NFC East. Wait, we got to talk about the Bears first. I find my listening to ESPN Chicago so fascinating when they talk about the Bears. Um, there's just absolutely no hope. They, they've got a they've got a, a young quarterback, and everyone's already just convinced themselves that this is another Trubisky. This is another <laughs> – it's just another failure in terms of draft and development, and that it's not going to get any better. It's tough. I mean, I feel like that used to be the case around here with the Saints. Everyone just knew that they were not going to be very good. And then Peyton and Breeze flipped the narrative, and they've been running smoothly ever since. In Chicago, they're still like you felt 15 years ago. They just have no confidence that any – and now their best player has said, I want out. And it's just that even drives the stake even further into him. Such a proud, uh, a proud fan base, a proud city with a football team that can't get out of its own way. No, it's bad, and I think it's been like that since I can remember the Bears. Yep. I know we were talking giving, uh, giving Rex Grossman some love. I mean, that's the last quarterback to get you to a Super Bowl, so just let you know the fortune the Bears have had in the quarterback department has not been well. And uh, I think NFC East, I was going to throw the Cowboys in there, but for my boy Taylor, I'm not going to throw him in the pretender can. It's just the, the woeful Danny Dimes and uh, our boy Carson Witts. Walk it to him, Wentz. I don't like either one of those teams. I just don't think they're going to make a run. And for the Giants, uh, to be one of those New York franchises and not have a pulse, it's just not a good scene, man. Not good when the Giants are good. I think it's going to be another one of those years for them. Jeremy, the Cowboys are not pretenders until it becomes November. Uh, okay, so. Elite in September and October. Um, commanders, uh, they their defense wasn't as good last year as you, it looks on paper. You got all first-round picks on the defensive front, and you figured they'd be just a ferocious pass rush and impenetrable against the run. They weren't that good on defense last year, and you've got issues at quarterback. Yeah, not uh, not great. Heineke. Yep, yep. and uh, yeah, we talk about college coaches going to the NFL and having some success. Our boy Pete Carroll has probably done the best job that I can think of, but for unfortunately for Pete, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be very good. The immortal Drew Locke taking over, you know, the teams for Russell Wilson. It could be Garoppolo. <laughs> Look, it could be. But even then with that, I think that roster is ways away from the rosters Jimmy G has had a ton of success with. I know my boy Jamal's up there, but I just don't see it for the Seahawks this Pete year. Pete got chippy with the media last year and said, sorry, like I'm just not – and then on Monday or Tuesday whenever he met with him again, sorry, I'm just not used to losing like this mm-hmm. isn't – I'm surprised. I realize there's a huge contract attached to it, and that's a, a, a big incentive to go to work. But at his age, when your ownership and general manager has decided we're going to blow this entire thing up and start trading Hall of Famers, yeah. I'm surprised he stuck around for it. I wouldn't. Like I've yeah. got enough cash. I'm going to play golf and, and enjoy the ocean. Like I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not sitting around through four and thirteen, three and fourteen. Like that ain't. That's not where I would be yeah. doing it. But then again, that's probably why I'm here and he's there. That's <laughs> yeah, the way I, that was, goes. I was wondering that same thing last year when we kind of talked about this, and then I realized that Pete Carroll was the second highest paid coach in the entire NFL, and he's getting over sixteen million dollars to coach football. 
I think Pete may hang around for a little bit longer just to check that out because, uh, yeah, it's hard to pass up on a payday like that. So, yeah, I think for the NFC, those are my pretenders. Work our way over to the AFC, and to me, these are two of the absolute worst franchises in all of football. I just don't see any way, especially this season, that either one of those teams have any sort of pulse. And that's our favorite team, the Jags and the Texans. I just think, you know, that's just bad football teams, bad rosters. I don't love what I see from the top coming down, and I think that continues on for the season as well. I'm very pro Colts this year, and that's one of the reasons, is you got four games with those two franchises that stink. And, you know, maybe there's a, a shot of life in Jacksonville and Trevor kind of makes some strides and they – are, are a reasonable football team. I would bet against that. That's why I'm betting on the Colts. I still think Matt Ryan has something in the tank because that division's half half baked. I mean, it's 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 half terrible. So uh, you're, that's what you're talking about: Jags and Texans and not trying. Well, the Jags I think are trying. The Texans are not trying. Um, but I, I I just yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, and I think for me this team, I don't think since I've been alive and, and remembering. They have been good making the playoffs year in and year out. So it's weird that I'm throwing them in a pretender can, but I'm going to have to put the Steelers in there. Oh, Mitch. I, <laughs> yeah, money-making Mitch. Mitch. I'm sorry, my boy Kenny Pickett. And I'm going to throw the Browns in there. I know you know that was my Super Bowl pick. Boy, was I wrong about that last year. But I think with all the quarterback uh, you know, distractions and stuff, I just don't see how, how they can make a deep playoff run. So for the AFC North, I'm going to throw the Steelers and the Browns in there. Look, uh, they were talking this morning on ESPN about how good this Browns roster is, but they don't have any certainty of what their, their quarterback situation is going to be. We expect to see Deshaun Watson play tonight. That's the expectation right now. Um, and if he were to play 17 games, I think a lot of people would, would pick the Browns to be a, a, a strong, strong team. But then the air of uncertainty swirls, and you can't. So I, I don't disagree with you there and putting them in a pretender spot. Yep, and uh, another one of these teams that I never thought I I'm would have to, put, have to put in the pretender can. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to put the Patriots and Bill Belichick in there. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw my boy Tua in there as well. And I think, you know, as much dog as Zach Wilson has, he just has so much dog in him. Unfortunately, I don't think they'll be making the playoffs this Twitter year. Is, uh, <laughs> Twitter's having some fun with that. They're putting x-rays with actual dogs in them and stuff. Uh, look, I'm, I'm so on board with this Patriots take. It's uh, probably a little bit um, – there's a bandwagon developing, and I'm certainly jumping on it. I think they're toast. I think mm -hmm. this whole thing is over. I think Belichick's time making significant pushes is over. I don't trust Mac Jones. I don't trust not having an offensive coordinator. I don't trust them – I just – I, I think it's over. I yeah. think that as long they're not going to be relevant for the next few years, in yeah. my opinion. And I, I think if Josh Allen wasn't in that division, I'd be yeah. like, you know what, Bill may be able to. No, no, Josh Allen, they're going to walk through that division. I don't think that anyone's going to challenge them in that division. And it's kind of the exact opposite of what Tom Brady used to have. He used to be able to go against, you know, uh, the, the Jets quarterback, the Dolphins, who just not – you get to play a terrible division yep. every year, and it helps out a ton, like you said, with the Colts. And so I think the Bills are in that situation right now with a terrible that, division. They're going to run the that table. That just gave me a thought. And, and now bear <laughs> with me here as I bring this locally. The Bills had to suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer under this tyrannical role, rule of the Patriots. Brady, Belichick, beating them over the head, winning championships every single year. And that kind of feels like where we're sitting with Alabama. Man, if we can find an era here in the, in the very near future where it all falls apart in Tuscaloosa and they hire Mike Shuler, they hire Dennis Francione, or they hire Mike DeBose, and it falls apart, which is, is going to happen at some point. It happened, you know, they're not infallible. They, they're a Saban creation here. Uh, when that happens, if we can kind of 
get our Josh Allen and, and get our white knight to ride in with whoever that coach is and just put our thumb on him for like eight years. Oh, would that be something? Oh, look. I just dare to dream. <laughs> look, you got to dream. But uh, that's very, very real, man. We've seen some of these eras. I mean, you look at college football, you look at Miami, you look at Nebraska. You can go, it can go the other way. And so for Alabama, it can go the other way. And I think it starts with the head guy, as you can see with the, with the Patriots. It can go the way. As great as the coach Bill Belichick is, it doesn't matter if you don't have a quarterback and a guy who can, you know, really, you know, convert time and time again. They don't have that anymore. So I think winning is going to be a lot more harder for them. So, yeah, I think those are all the pretenders. Yeah, Sorry I, to ruin everyone's dreams. I don't, but, uh, uh, I don't yeah. disagree with yours. Now, as far as teams that you have not put in the pretenders that I'm not necessarily buying – I know they got a good roster. I'm I'm gonna reserve judgment on their quarterback play. I don't love the Niners this year. I realize they just got as far as they did with Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. So the roster's great. I I got it. I just let me let me see um, let me see Lance at some point. So I would I would pull them down a peg. I don't love the Titans. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I'm a little iffy on that one as well. Um, and I don't know that the Broncos have a great roster. I mean they've upgraded a quarterback. Yeah. He, we kind of lost sight of Russell Wilson over the last year and a half. Like, is he still the All Pro or is he lost a step? We'll see. I, I don't know that I love the Broncos either. Yeah, I, I think that to me, if you wanted to make that case, I could totally get behind that, especially with the the, the conference that they're going to be playing in and their division is extremely tough. But I, I just like Russ. You know, looking at the quarterbacks in the NFC, I, I think he's right there in that pack. So any given Sunday, yeah. uh, I think with him at the helm, he can win that game. And uh, yeah, I think for the Niners, the quarterback is the biggest concern. But I, I just think you know. Even with what I've seen so far, I think Lance with Shanahan just gives me a higher ceiling in that offense. Uh, you know, he kind of had his hands tied with Jimmy G. He wants to get those quarterbacks on the edge, wants to work that big play action stuff, and I just think that's not Jimmy's strong suit. So I know another team you're probably not going to be agreeing with, and that's the Eagles. I know you're probably not too I'm high out on, on Hurts, but <laughs> look, you know, I, I can absolutely see a scenario where they get to the second weekend of the playoffs. I don't know. Are we talking Super Bowl? Are we talking just make it to some real relevant football at the end? I can see that in, a, in what I think is a bad NFC. I just don't love the NFC, and so I, you yeah. know, I couldn't, I can't totally let, write them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's to me. I'm just looking at their roster. Yeah. Love the Jordan Davis pick. Looks like he's already just throwing totally guys around, <laughs> just, just pushing guys in the quarterback lap. So uh, they got a talent on that roster. I love the AJ Brown addition with Devontae Smith. So if Hertz can just kind of do what he's always done, let's just not turn the ball over, use his legs, run the crap out of the ball. I think they'll be right there. So, yeah, and I had to throw the Saints and the Bengals, make sure they were in my contenders because, you know, whoever whoever that, bone, yeah, whoever that bonehead is who created the FBI, you know, we're going to have to have a conversation because, yeah, we got to have Joey B. There's no contenders list without Joey B in there. And I got to throw the Saints in there too. That is uh, Jeremy's lead. Toss, I have had a take that I have put out on the air numerous times over the last three or four years, and somebody nationally wrote a story and agreed with me. So we'll have some fun with that next on Hunt and Hill. And Jeremy Hill. It's Hunt and Hill. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Buy Ford. Buy Ford.com. F 150, F250, Explorer. Expedition, even the Bronco, they got you covered at Bayou Ford. Yeah, and go to BayouFord.com. They have the all-new 2022 Ford Expedition Timberline. It has a Ready Lift 3 kit on there, and it has ceramic window tint. Also, all-new 2021 Ford F-150s. They're getting $14,000 off MSRP, including the Black Widow edition. Check out the website, BayouFord.com. The entire inventory is right there, and right in bold letters when you go to the website, it says, Don't Settle. Don't settle. You don't have to just settle because you find something on the lot at the first car's dealership you go to. Now, let Bayou Ford customize a vehicle for you. It only takes two to three months to get that car back. They will drive it right to your driveway. Put a big bow on it if they want, and uh, you can have exactly the car that you want to have, and Bayou Ford can make that happen for you. You just go to the website or give them a call or stop by the uh, the store today. Bayou Ford, check out the inventory at BayouFord.com. Bayou Ford, they're going to do right by you. Hunton Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. So, uh, if you listen to this show um, routinely, uh, you've probably heard me with my take on AM athletics. <laughs> uh, I have routinely called them the most underachieving program in the history of collegiate athletics in terms of resources, recruiting base, and then results on the field, on the floor, on the court, whatever you want to call it. They're a disaster, and I stand by that. And today, I was scrolling through the interwebs and stumbled upon an Adam Rittenberg story on ESPN that said the top... Let's see what the actual... Underachievers. I want to see what the actual title is. (laughs) Who does the least with the most? Our annual college football underachiever tiers is the title. And the first... The lead of the story... I went to journalism (laughs) school. You got to come out with a strong lead to captivate your, your reader. The lead of this piece on the most underachieving teams in the sport is, and I quote, Texas A&M fans, I'm ready for you. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, Adam Rittenberg. (laughs) Said, I recognize it's never fun for fans to see their team headlining college football's underachiever tiers. Texas A&M has one of the largest and most prideful fan bases in the sport, so much so that it is synonymous with the number 12. Although the home of the 12th man was an easy pick to lead off the tiers, the truth about this team's lack of big performances can sting. That is a thing of beauty. <laughs> to maintain consistency from the first edition, I've identified six tiers of underachievers. Let's get started. Number one, tier one, angst in Aggie land. Look, they were number six in the country preseason last year, ended up eight and four. <laughs> Other than number, the upset of Alabama, Aggies coach Jimbo Fisher became the first ex-Saban uh, assistant to beat Saban. A&M had a largely forgettable season. That's the thing about A&M about last year is if you listen to you know the A&M side, they would say that beating Alabama was such a big step in the right direction. Man, they had a bad season last year. And if you yeah. want to boil it down to three and a half hours, 
you could have that. It was probably fun. You hit the field goal to walk off, charge the field. That's all well and good. But you lost to the Mississippi schools. LSU put the JV team out there and you couldn't beat them. Like, that season stunk last year. <laughs> Look, I, I've been saying that from the top of the mountains ever since last preseason before they even played it down. And it's just I did not see it with Texas. I know they had an amazing year, 9-1. and one. Woohoo! let's hang in the banner. We we didn't make the college football playoff. We didn't win the national title. We were ranked preseason. And we just fall short again. So I think last year was the same case. I think this year is going to be the same case. I, I think them being ranked seven, I think it's great because now it creates a world where you don't finish in the top ten. You digress in the season. That means you're probably going to lose Alabama. You're going to lose somewhere along the line. And come on, throw it to you, baby. I need everyone in Tiger Nation throwing we up need to you. To, look, we need uh, to ride with the you. Since hey. 1994, <laughs> they've lost four or more games 23 times. In conference play, They've had at least three losses in conference in 20 of the past 23 seasons. <laughs> they have not won a league or division title in the SEC, and they only won one in the Big 12 in the last 23 seasons. That was in 1998. Zero yeah. national championships since 1939. <laughs> since then, here are some of the teams that have. Maryland, Syracuse, Michigan State, Pitt, BYU, Colorado. <laughs> since since 1939, those teams have won titles. A&M is not. <laughs> look, man, I'm trying to tell you guys, man. Look, it's just not what, what they think. I'm sure, like like my boy Rittenberg said, sorry, Texas, sorry, A&M Nation. You guys have just been constantly underachieving. I know you guys are putting millions of dollars into your facilities. You're getting putting millions of dollars into NIL. I mean, you're just, you're just throwing the money out Hundreds there. Hundreds of millions <laughs> into <laughs> their stadium. Unfortunately, it just hasn't, you know, boated into any wins on Saturdays, especially significant wins when it actually matters. And so for AM, I think it continues. I, I want to see it again this year. I don't love their quarterback room, which I think you got to have, especially now in this day and age in the SEC. Yeah, underachieving again. I love it. So that is our look at the Texas A&M Aggies as the most underachieving team in the sport. But there were some others that I wanted to get to that, that had some fairly eye-raising, uh, eyebrow-raising statistics. Since 1998, which is 24 years ago, UCLA has finished in the top 25 three times. Three out of 24. It's not that hard to finish in the top 25. Yeah. Nine and three, eight and four gets you right in the top 25. Yeah. And they can't pull that off. That is, in that area of the country, you play in the Rose Bowl, mm -hmm. you never finish in the top 25. That is that is wildly underachieving. No, it is. And I, I think for me, that's why that loss, I mean, it even still stings to this day. It's just, ah, in football. Ah, oh, man, how, how did that happen? But, hey, that, that's just what they've been, especially in my lifetime, just hasn't really been competitive, haven't really had that pulse. I can't. I mean, I could probably name maybe two great UCLA football players off the top of my head. It's just they haven't done it on any level on the football field. So uh, I knew, I know Chip Kelly's there. I know he was, you know, brought there to change their fortunes and change things around. Even with that big time win over LSU last year, still not the case. I think they continue that. Texas is next on this list, and when I think of Texas, I think of a national power. I mean, that's just that's my view of looking at Texas football. And then you look at it and you go, man, they haven't won a lot of big, big stuff. They've played for the conference championship one time since 2009. One time in that league with Baylor and Texas Tech and Kansas and Iowa State, TCU? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's bad. And I think, uh, you know, as much as everyone wants to say Texas is back, that's not the case. It just hasn't been what they have. And I know getting Arch is a big-time deal for them, and everyone's buzzing with NIL over there. But, you know, what we've seen, even with look no further than A&M, you know, bumping that money around, it doesn't quite equate to winning games on Saturday. It has. It takes a, you know, a program that's run right from the top down. Obviously, you got to recruit well. Then you got to go out there and call the plays, and the players have to play well. And Texas just – Hasn't had that for I don't know what reason. It seems like they have everything at their disposal. You got the resources. You got the money. You got everything you would need to be, you know, one of the better programs in the country. They just have not been that way. And I think it's not a good t- good time for college football. I, I want to see Texas have a pulse. It's just they just can't do it to save their lives. In 52 years since 1970, 52 years, Texas has one national title. It, it puts into perspective for me – just how spoiled we are. And I think people in my dad's generation don't take this for granted because my dad's been watching LSU football since the 60s and to watch his emotion in 2003 where he thought he, he thought that would never happen. And for me, to grow, to, I'm 34 years old, like we're expected to, to be in there and win national championships because we played for four of them and won three of them uh, in the last 20 years. And that's not normal. I mean, and sometimes I think we, we take it for granted. I mean, we're not we don't take it for granted in, in the way that Alabama fans do, who are who can sleep all the way through December, literally just fall asleep through December and then wake up in the championship game. I think that probably takes a little bit of enjoyment out of it, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not that easy. You think about what George, the monkey Georgia just got off their back. You think about Texas has only done it once in fifty years. Mm-hmm. Not that easy, and you're not guaranteed to get another one here in the next like three years. Like it just. It feels that way sometimes, that it's just not the way it works. Yeah, I mean, look at even in this article, Rittenberg wrote that. He was like, I had Georgia on the same list a year before. So um, it's crazy just how quick your fortunes can change. But, yeah, look no further than that. I think I was talking about it. You know, early in the season last year, yeah, Kirby's done an amazing thing. It's almost identical to what, you know, what, what Jimbo has going at, at A&M. Like, yeah, you're recruiting well. You got the money. You got, you know, a pulse again. You're winning games. But you got to go win the big one. And that's, to me, what puts you over the top. And I just don't think A&M's there. I don't think Texas is there. I think a lot of these teams, I just don't see them getting over that hump and winning the big one, which is, like you said, I have to agree with you. Winning games year in and year out, winning championships, you never can take that for granted because only one team can do it each year. Imagine if you slipped into a coma in, in 2002 and I, I woke you up and said, hey, by the way, uh, you're awake. Congratulations. Glad you, you came out of that. Um, Nebraska and Miami are just total non-factors and have been for more than a decade. Absolute <laughs> non-factors. And that, to me, and I know we have a lot of listeners significantly older than both of us, um, is fascinating because there was a time where you didn't think Miami would ever lose again. There was a time where you didn't think Nebraska would ever lose again. And it can go away. And it has for them for 20 years. And I'm curious, when I look back and I'm 55 and 20 years from now, like who's climbed this pantheon and who's slipped into the abyss? And I think the conference realignment will, will do some of that for you. But like... I don't know if they're going to get it back anytime soon. Certainly, I would not yeah. bet on Nebraska getting anything back. And Miami, we'll see what Crystal Ball can do. They're really excited about what he's doing. But when you look at it in that kind of perspective, and I, I can't – in 2001, I was 13. Like, how much perspective can you have other than thinking, man, these Miami dudes are cool and they win a lot. Now you look back 20 years from now, and Miami's just a total <laughs> afterthought. Yeah, and, and I talk about that with LSU, that we're, we're – you know, we're playing with fire right now, and that's the standard. And I, I listened to Antro Roll. He was on the pivot, and he's a former safety there. And he was like, when he was a freshman and Ed Reed was, you know, on his way to the NFL, 
uh, those guys would get pissed if the if the freshmen got in the game and let those guys score. And he's like, we didn't. I mean, even the freshmen were a bunch of NFL guys. But to see that they were the, how they were back then to where they are now, and it's just you know not really being that national powerhouse, not being you know a, a threat year in and year out, and you know not you know dominating the state of Florida and recruiting. There was a time where if you're a state, uh, you know, a five-star in the state of Florida. State of Miami is what they called it. <laughs> yeah, what Snellenberger called it. You were going to Miami, and now that's just so far from the case. And so, yeah, for Miami, it's just so crazy to see that them be so dominant um, year in and year out to just really not have any sort of repulsion. I think Nebraska's in the same pulse, and you know, seeing what they're doing over there. I know Cousin Trey's over there. He's looking to do some <laughs> big things, but I just don't think those big things are coming for Nebraska next season. No, I don't think they are either. But the point of the segment – we should not lose sight of is to make fun of Texas A&M, which I think we did an adequate job of there at the top of the segment, the Aggies, the most underachieving football program in the history of the sport. And certainly last year's eight and four, not going to do them any favors. All right. When we come back, um, college football's top 50 newcomers, a couple of LSU Tigers on that list, plus some NFL storylines from the preseason that opened up basically last night. We'll talk about that next on Hunt and Hill. 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge with Hunt and Hill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hunt and Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. About a half an hour to go here on a Friday edition of Hunt and Hill. ESPN.com had a list of the top 50 newcomers in college football. Unfortunately, Eli Ricks coming in pretty early on the list at number five, but there are a couple of LSU Tigers on the list that I wanted to highlight and get Jeremy's thoughts on. At number 16, offensive tackle Will Campbell. Says Campbell was an important signee for new coach Brian Kelly, five-star prospect from Louisiana. It's rare, rare to see a true freshman come in and start at left tackle, but Campbell's 6'6", 325 lineman who has a talent and enough strength to play right away. Your thoughts on yeah. LSU's new left tackle? Yeah, I think from the second spring football started, we kind of knew that's where things were headed. I don't know if that's the greatest time for where this team was, but I think for, for the talent that Will is, I think he can be a talent. We know, uh, especially freshman linemen, they're going to go through their growing pains. But if there's anyone I trust to get through those and come out on the other side, you know, good to go, that's Will. Uh, he fits all the billings you want from a, a young tackle, and that's he's big, strong, and aggressive. And uh, I think with all those things, he, he can come in right away and, you know, be a talent for the Tigers. He did a good job against Ali Gay in uh, one-on-ones yesterday. We got a good look at him there. And that's a that's a man who's 22 years old and ready to come off the edge and has proven that he's tough to block in the SEC when healthy. And he's certainly healthy right now. And Will, Will, uh, Will Campbell held his own. I'm with you. Um, Auburn's got a first-rounder on the edge. We know about Will Anderson. Um, they're going to be dudes. A&M's got five five-stars on the defensive line. 
Um, he's got to hold his own uh, way more often than he doesn't. And I think that there's a lot of confidence with his LSU coaching staff that he's the guy for the job. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a single spot that's set on that offensive line other than his. And that's mm-hmm. not me saying that because I'm watching practice. That's Brian Kelly saying that in press conferences. <laughs> so it's he's he's going to be leaned on heavily, and he's made a huge impression. He's got that frame and that build that we talk about that Brian Kelly recruits to on the offensive line. They want long and lean. They want to fill you out as opposed to trim you down. Will Campbell fits that mold, so he's going to be that dude. Um, this is counting transfers and freshmen in the top 50 newcomers in college football. And number 20 on the list, a name that I wasn't expecting to see quite that early, is Makai Wingo, the Missouri mm-hmm. transfer here in LSU. The snippet says Wingo, one of the more sought-after defensive line transfers, adds to options up front for Kelly and his staff. You got Jaquel and Roy, got Mason Smith coming back. Wingo can add to that group and provide excellent rotation along the defensive line. I like the depth on the defensive front. Yeah, I think that's the strong suit of the defense. I think uh, as many bodies as you have, you know, in that room, and, and guys who are talented. I mean, we, Wingo's a guy who made all freshman SEC, which I think can't go overlooked, especially at a program like Missouri. And so I think he can come in right away, be a guy that can be in this rotation and, and really make some impact and help them play. Because uh, to me, when you got that many defensive linemen, you can mix and match it. You can have four down, you can have three down, and you can have fresh bodies in there the whole game and fresh bodies with guys who can play. And I think, you know, Wingo's got to be one of those guys. The next two guys on the list, um, not from LSU, but uh, we'll probably get familiar with them pretty quickly. Number 24 on this list is Jared Verse, a defensive end who transferred from Albany to Florida State. Uh, said that Florida State lost uh, star Jermaine Johnson to the NFL. He was a first-round pick. They also lost Kyra Thomas, who ranked second on the team with six-and-a-half sacks last year. Verse at Albany last year had nine sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss in 11 games. He's going to bring some help to the pass rush as younger edge players on the roster get acclimated. I don't know if a guy from Albany puts the fear of God in me, but he seems to be a guy that they're pretty high on, and I'm, I'm glad they lost their top two sack guys from last year, and we're trying to break an entire <laughs> new offensive line. Look, look, yeah, like you said, when, when you got the off- offensive line issues we've had over the past couple of seasons, the last thing you want to see is another Will Anderson, but I think the Albany guy is not going to strike. The Albany the- guy, that's what we're going to call him. Yeah, the Albany guy is going to strike the fear of God in me, so I think we should be able to handle that. If not, we're in a world of trouble. I would tend to agree uh, with a lot of that. Uh, that's going to do it for the LSU guys on this list. I want to make sure. Yep, it does it for the LSU guys on this list. I wanted your thoughts being that you played uh, with Tom Brady as we shift gears up to the mm-hmm. NFL. Tom's stepping away from Buccaneers camp for some time. Todd Bowles was in a press conference yesterday, said, this is something we've talked about before training camp. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of him this time. He wants to get in, get some chemistry with the guys, go through two weeks of training camp, knowing he wasn't going to play the first two preseason games. He didn't want to take reps away from Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, Ryan Griffin. He's going to uh, hand ha- handle those guys the next two games, knowing it's something that he needs to do. Your thoughts on Brady stepping away for a week at matter at all? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> if it's anyone, I mean anyone in the entire NFL that I trust to be away from football, especially in the smack dab middle of fall camp. I I think it's Tom. And I think, you know, Devin White said it the other day. um, Something strikes me that Tom isn't waking up, sitting on the couch, eating Cheetos and fries all day, whatever he's doing. That's a dream, baby. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's uh, getting his work in one way or another. So, uh, you know, I I think for, for anyone to trust a, a quarterback, it would be to trust Tom. I think he'll be fine. He'll get back in there, ready to go. Let some of those backup guys get some rest. I know you, you're kind of having some concerns about the 45-year-old. Maybe he may not be able to make it through the season. If that's not the case, then you want those other guys you know, getting those reps. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. I'm more concerned with his interior offensive line. It's already lost its center and has two guards that are a little bit iffy, and then the backup center will left practice the other day. So they got some issues in the middle of that, uh, of that offensive line over there in Tampa. NFL storylines from last night. 
Um, again, we talked about this in the first hour. What's your interest in, in preseason football? And it's if you're a Titans fan, last night was really fun because Malik Willis mm-hmm. is a guy that you drafted, not sure what you've got in him. And he went out there and did exactly the highlight-level stuff that you would want to see in a game that doesn't count for anything at all. Malik Willis made a ridiculous scramble for a touchdown where he you know, to run 20 yards. He ended up running 40, going to both sides of the field, making a guy miss, kind of jumping into the end zone. He threw a bomb to Racing McMath for 40-something yards uh, and then made a silly little running sidearm against his body <laughs> throw to a, to a guy in the flat that was super athletic, very Mahomes-esque. Um, so, again, again, it doesn't count, but Malik Willis – Showed you a little athleticism uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what we were talking about earlier in the show. Uh, that's what gets the fans out of their yeah. seat in the preseason. You got to get the young guy who hadn't played much and give them something to look forward to, give them a little sunshine and rainbows. And I think uh, that's exactly what Malik gave them last night. And uh, a guy who can obviously we know what he can do with his legs, but he's got to be throwing the ball down the field, mixing that in there with him. Then he can make himself a, a nice little career here. And I think he can put a little pressure on Tannehill, who hasn't really been an uh, you know overachiever throughout his time at quarterback in the NFL. So. Uh, Malik's, you know, that he's very exciting to, uh, to watch play. And so if he can continue to string plays together like that, um, he could possibly challenge uh, Tannehill this season. It's a totally different type of player. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Uh, mm-hmm. Tonight's games, Falcons-Lions, that's on NFL Network. Browns-Jags, Cardinals and Bengals, Jets-Eagles, Packers and 49ers. Also on NFL Network tonight and Saturday's action, Chiefs-Bears, Panthers-Commanders, Colts-Bills, Seahawks and Steelers, Dolphins-Bucks, Saints and Texans and Cowboys and Broncos. That one on NFL Network. We'll also have Rams Chargers at 9 o'clock. And then Sunday uh, in the afternoon on NFL Network, the Vikings and the Raiders. So if you are a junkie, if you are Jacob Mm -hmm. Hester, and you have to have football at all times to sustain life, you will have it in spades this weekend. Just doesn't count for anything. But there's lines on all these games. Uh, Looks like the Raiders are laying four against the Vikings, if you're into that kind of thing on Sunday. Uh, If you're betting in preseason games, man. May the force be with you, and I hope you hope you get rich. But that is a lot of a uh, <laughs> lot of a lot know. of effort yeah. uh, to be putting uh, money down on preseason games when you've never heard of any of the guys that are out there. Bailey Zappi last night uh, threw for two hundred and five yards. So um, you know that's a team without an offensive coordinator. See how that all goes, and I think we've made our point very clear how we think it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go so hot for the uh, for the Patriots this year. But they did. Uh, we came up just short against the Giants. Dern. Don't, don't know what the line was on that one, but it is what it is. Let's come back and close out a Friday edition, a work week here on Hunt Hill. This is Hunt Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. LWCC often says our state is loved. It ought to be admired as well. And so they're doing their best to highlight some of the most admirable people and businesses in our great state. And this champion of Louisiana, Galen Iverson, certainly is that. Yeah, Galen founded and owns and operates a full butcher shop and smokehouse in Baton Rouge. And as the owner of Iverson Farm Butcher, Galen brings sustainable, locally raised meats directly to Louisiana consumers, enabling customers to connect with local farms and expanding opportunities for farmers who cultivate and support Louisiana's land has been a decade-long goal. With a background in, with a background in sustainable farming, Galen identifies and supports farms with practice these methods by giving them a platform that expands their reach. 
Well, Galen is so great for our economy. He's great for our taste buds, and he is great for the state and what he's doing with the sustainable farming, all local right here in the great state of Louisiana. Iverstein Farms Busher recently relocated. Uh, they got a larger location now, and that allows Galen the opportunity to expand his mission in new ways, introduce more people to the importance of sustainable and local food right here in the state of Louisiana. LWCC is Louisiana loyal. They're elevating and celebrating champions of Louisiana each and every month. This month, all month long, we are celebrating Galen Iverstein. This month's champion of Louisiana, LWCC, is Louisiana loyal. Hunton Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. Citizens Bank poll question of the day. How much interest do you have in NFL preseason games? Only 2% of you say can't miss them. <laughs> That's refreshing. Uh, 4% say that you'll bet on it, so you're going to watch it. Uh, 47% say they'll watch some, and 47% say they will watch absolutely none. An overwhelming majority of uh, just a little bit of apathy towards uh, towards preseason football, which is understandable. So we'll see uh, we'll see some football this weekend. I'll watch a little bit of the Saints, see how things uh, things go. I just can't promise you I'm going to block out three and a half hours for you. Can't can't promise you that. You and me both. All right, let's do some take it or leave it to start uh, to finish things up on this uh, this work week. Bill Belichick has decided to go double duty, offensive coordinators and play calling in the first preseason game. Lions coach Matt Patricia, former Giants coach. Joe Judge, both calling some plays. Two guys who have never called plays, calling plays. A disaster. Take it or leave it. I have to take this. You I'll know, take normally, it. I, I got to give Bill credit for being, you know, a genius, you know, one of the trailblazers to things we haven't seen before. But this, I just think this is going to end in a disaster. You got a second-year quarterback with not a real number one threat on the outside. I just don't think that offense is going to be very good this year on top of two guys. I think we, LSU fans just saw that last year. How, did, how well did two guys calling plays uh, go for the Tigers last year? No. I don't think very well. So I'm, I'm going to have to uh, you know forfeit my uh, support for the two guys calling plays. So I'm going to leave this. I think this is – well, actually, I'll take this. I, I think this is going to end the disaster. All right, here. Netflix, they're releasing a documentary, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, to document Monte's Tiao's made-up <laughs> girlfriend. You taking or leaving that? I'll take it. I'll, probably I'll take it. I mean, this this story where he falls in love with someone he's never seen before, Lene Kakua. I just, I've watched some of uh, Catfish on in my spare time, which is a sad admission. People, <laughs> let's let's have some face to face with people that we quote unquote love and are falling in love with. Maybe not as much keyboard love as maybe a little bit of face to face. We got FaceTime. We got Skype now. If they say that they don't want to see you or can't see you or don't have the technology to see you, they're probably full of it. Let's not say we're in love with them. But I'm going to I'm gonna go for this. Got a guy on a college campus, Mr. All-American, falling in love with fake people on the internet. I might watch it. I'm just saying that that might be something I look at. KJ Jefferson, Arkansas's quarterback, says the Hogs are looked at as dirt under the rug because they're always being slept on. Hogs, <laughs> dirt under the rug. Take it or leave it. I guess. I mean, for me, myself, I'm going to take this because I just I'll never felt threatened by Arkansas at all in any capacity. But for KJ, I'll leave it, you know, because, look, you guys are getting a lot more respect than you've ever gotten. Got both your coordinators back. Coach Pittman's getting some love for the backs. And then you get to run through Texas. So, I mean, come on. 
Come on, KJ. Were it's you not on the field bad. when uh, Jennings hit Doral down the sideline? Yes, I was on the field for that. Yes, I was. I was, I was on the sideline, uh, <laughs> and it was right to me. There's some good pictures on the internet of me watching that, and Jennings uncorked that thing up in the air, and he threw it basically right towards me. And I looked to my right down the sideline, and there's Traven running. There's nobody near him. I was like, oh, my God. And he went for a touchdown. That was yep. uh, when we thought that, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the scariest I've been of Arkansas because, like, I, I was the whole entire. It felt like the ball was in the air for probably ten seconds, and the whole time, like, don't drop this, Traven. How was Jennings this. when he came don't in? You, was he like ready to go, or oh, was he a little? It terrified? looks like a deer in headlights, so that you know, I gotta commend him. I mean, he went on a ninety-nine yard drive. Yeah. I think that's not something that's talked about. Backed up on your own pylon, you know, down down a score, gotta get the touchdown or you lose, and uh, he, he found a way to get it done. You know, had me had me cheering. I thought we were gonna spread the ball around that bowl game. I ended up with 30 carries, but hey, not complaining about that either. <laughs> All right, last one here. The Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds, they soaked in the experience of the Field of Dreams as the Cubs won 4-2 with Drew Smiley saying he felt like a kid again playing baseball in the middle of Iowa. The Field of Dreams is one of the best spectacles in sports. Take it or leave it. That's maybe strong, so I'll leave it, but it's really cool, and I think it works, and I think that if you use – it's such a small – facility and such a small crowd that I don't think people will get sick of it if you continue to change the fan bases up. They've now done uh, White Sox, Yankees, and then Cubs, Reds. Um, you know, if you if you put the Cardinals, the Royals in there, some teams that can get there pretty quick. I don't know how far Detroit is, but, like, I, if, if you can get some – I think it works. I think you can continue to do it. The the field looks incredible, the the, the, the corn, and then you've got the, the actual Field of Dreams house over there. they got kids playing on the Field of Dreams field. It's really cool. I mean, last year's game was unbelievable. Tim Anderson had a walk-off home run. It was as good it as you could. Not, it was, it, it, was, was, uh, it, it was, was. Sorry, not. Yanks. Um, <laughs> and last night you got a couple of teams that stink. Uh, but, I mean, it's just a really cool thing to do one time. Um, you know, I think they should continue to do it and recycle the teams. I don't think people will get – Get sick of it. I think it's just a really cool thing that they do. Look, my experience with the Field of Dreams game is not very good, so I'm probably asking yeah. the wrong person. But this year is look, I had no you know dogs in the fight, so yeah, it easily enjoyed this think, year. But last year, look, we needed that game. Maybe and, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> maybe take it easy on the Harry Carey holograms, which they had for the seventh inning stretch. I don't know if that necessarily worked as well, but um, you know the whole the 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 Field of Dreams thing with the big barn in the outfield works really well. I think they should stick with it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was really really cool. Something I would like to. Let's go see one. That's a great movie. One of the few movies that I've actually seen. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll leave that um, at that. All right. Um, anything as we wrap up here to, to watch with Saints and Texans uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think what we said, I want to see what, what the quarterbacks do. I want to see if Olave gets some burn. I would love to see him go deep one time. And then I want to see the backs. I know they're going to get a ton of attention. I know Kamara's probably not going to get any type of carries. Nope. I don't think Ingram's going to get much either. So let's see what those young backs can do. And uh, I'll, I'll go from there. I'm going to see Trevor Penning, see what he's got over there at left tackle. I'd imagine he's going to get a lot of snaps. Uh, we'll certainly talk to Sharif next Tuesday, Luke next Thursday. And, uh, and the Saints have this game against Houston, which is what it is. It's going to be a lot of guys who very well might not make the roster. But then next week, you crank it up a notch because they're going to be playing the Packers in, in three uh, practices, and then they'll, they'll play those guys in what's now become the most impactful um, game on the schedule in the preseason, which is the second one of, of three. So – Next week, things really ramp up um, for the Saints, and we'll certainly be out there at, uh, at LSU uh, all practice as well. That'll do it for us for the work week. If you missed any of the show today, On Demand, catch it, 1045ESPN.com, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It is all there. YouTube people, if y'all want to throw us a like, T-Bob after likes this morning, immediately got like 20. I would love it if we got 20 extra likes. That would be fantastic. Beat T-Bob. Do it, do, it, do it against T-Bob. How about that? 
if you missed any of the show, catch it on demand. We uh, we talked, uh, started with some NFL and, and college football talk. Saints-Texans, Ryan Schimpf in the first hour. Angel Oak Home Loans bringing you that lunch hour. Matt's going to drive you home today from 3 to 6 on After Further Review. Have uh, the boys with the early line coming at you next. Have a wonderful, safe, and happy weekend. Football's coming. Just get through a couple more. We'll see you on Monday. It's Hunting Hill. This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.